0: Uh, today I want to take a look at a story in the Bible that we all probably know. I'm pretty sure that, uh, even though if you were not a Christian, you probably have heard of this story. It's a parable that Jesus tells in Luke 15. And so, uh, if you guys have your Bible, um, you guys turn to Luke 15. And, uh, okay, there you go. It says, uh, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, to hear him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, uh, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Okay, I'm gonna take it from there. Uh, we're gonna read, we're gonna go down to, uh, verse 11. And so verse 11, it says, And he said, uh, there was a man who had, so between the initial, like, first few sentences that I read, there's two parables that are squeezed in there. There's a parable of, um, the, uh, of the, this lost sheep. You know, you guys have all heard of the parable of the lost sheep. And then there's a parable of the lost coin. And then we get to the parable of the prodigal son, and that's what we're going to read today. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said, no, said to his father, father, give me my, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. Wait, where am I? He began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizen, citizens of the country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. That's right, right? To feed pigs, and, uh, to feed pigs. and he, he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as if one of your hired servants. And and he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be your son. But the father said to his servant, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for my son who, my, for my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now his older celebrate, yeah. Okay. Now his, I usually have these cues in, I read from the Bible. Now his older son was in in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked him what these things meant. And he said to him, "Your brother has come, and your father was, has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound." But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entered uh, and him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. But when his son, when this son of yours came, who have devoured your property and pros- with prostitutes, you, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and that and all that is mine is yours it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this young brother was dead for your brother was dead and is alive he was lost and is found so you guys have probably all heard of this parable before it's something that you guys have probably kind of grew up with if you were in the church at any point you guys know about the prodigal son and um, Jesus oftentimes taught people with parables or stories And in Luke 15, we have one of the most famous parables uh, that we can see in the Bible. Now, uh, before we actually get into this parable, I want to set the scene, the first kind of few sentences that I read, it says, uh, so uh, set the scene of what's happening here, right? Um, It says, uh, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Now, who i want to talk about who's first of all in this group of people that are listening to jesus right um jesus tell this story um you have you have the disciples are there like the followers of jesus His, you know this 12 disciples and then there it says that there's tax collectors and sinners that were also there to listen to him right now in korean language there are certain words that don't translate into english right like nukie i don't know if you guys know what nukie means nukie means like the closest translation in english is like oily but then there are certain foods that are oily that I mean that are not oily but that still taste muky it's like this it's like, it's a word that doesn't completely translate into english or kozoe like there's another word that doesn't really translate into english right and in the same way this word tax collector there is no there is no english equivalent to uh, this word, right? There's the IRS. And I know, I'm sure you guys have all like, you know, heard in America, you guys heard about the IRS, people that, you know, receive the taxes that you guys have to pay. But you guys don't hate the IRS like the Jews hated tax collectors. I know you guys don't like paying your taxes, some of you guys. But then it's not like you guys don't look at the IRS as like traitors or like people that deserve to die, right? But that's kind of the way that the Jews pe- Jewish people considered tax collectors. There's like a group of people that they just hated. So basically tax collectors collected taxes on behalf of the Roman government right and these were not Roman citizens these were not like like you know you no know, Roman people um these were Jewish people that basically did the dirty work of the Roman empire right they the this this empire that came and and conquered their land and pillaged them and you know just like did all these horrible things to them and then oppressed them um these tax collectors are basically uh, collecting taxes on, on their behalf from their own citizens. All right. And and then on top of that, um, they're skimming off the top and they're, um, you know, like they're seen as these traitorous, just really like, just like, like people that, uh, the Jewish people really hated. There's, there really isn't an equivalent to that in the, in the Jewish language. And so there's these tax collectors were there, um, and they were hated by the Jewish people. Um, and then there says that tax collectors and sinners were there, right? Well, now Luke is writing this. And how does Luke know that these people are sinners? Does he have like some kind of like, you know, clairvoyance? He's like, oh, you know, this dude's a sinner. No, um, the word sinner back then, well, there was a category of people that Jewish people considered sinners, right? Um, it was uh, included... Um, you know, like people that uh, did immoral ju- were like prostitutes and, you know, and tax collectors and things like that, like people that were uh, deviant in nature were considered sinners or people that had jobs that like caused them to go against the word of God, like people that handled dead things, right? Because in the Jewish law, you're not supposed to touch like dead people or dead animals or things like that. And so people that like were constantly like doing like dirty work uh, were considered sinners back then. And also, um, you know, there's a group of people that like people that had... Uh, like, like issues, like, you know, handicapped people, people that were born blind, people that were born deaf, these people were also considered sinners back then, right? Uh, there's that part in the Bible where the, the, there's a blind man and the Pharisees ask him, like, you know, teacher, who sinned, uh, this person or his parents uh, that caused him to be born blind, right? And so there's, there's a group of people like categorized uh, in the Jewish people back then that were labeled sinners, right? Uh, but not only that, so the tax collectors were there, hate you know bad their sinners were there bad but they're also pharisees and scribes and now the pharisees were the best of the best right like they're like the cream of the crop like back then like we consider pharisee like people like oh you're a pharisee that's like an insult but back then pharisees were like every people wanted to be a pharisee like you know they'd be like if, if there was a korean back then they'd be like why can't you be like your brother the pharisee right Like they'd be talking about like that. Pharisees and scribes and the Sadducees were really considered like the queen of the crop, they're like the top of the the food chain when it came to like, you know, society, Jewish society back then. And so, you know, it it was they were the cleanest of the clean, the purest of the pure, they did everything in their there's all these like you know like cleanliness laws back there in, in 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 the Old Testament they and they upheld all of those things right they didn't do anything that was unclean they you know like back then if a if a, a woman uh, had a menstrual cycle you were not allowed to touch them or else you were considered unclean so if I'm a Pharisee I'm gonna, I'm not gonna touch anything like like the Pharisees were like the cleanest of the clean the most like you know like you know they were looked up they were uh, you know put on a pedestal and they were really like revered and honored back then and so there's the the bad right there's the tax collectors there's the sinners and there's the good there's the Pharisees the scribes the people that were like that would learn the law and learn the, um, you know the Hebrew law and like and, you know study the law and and so these these were the people that were there. there's the good the bad and the ugly there I'm sure there were some ugly people there as well right so uh, this is a group of people that kind of on the spectrum of like you know good and bad they, they were all there right and we heard the uh, the parable earlier and um now as you read this story you know i see the intricacy of jesus telling this story right if you really uh, kind of look at it jesus is a master storyteller right you know if you kind of read through his parables he really is a master storyteller and he actually gives us three perspectives when it comes to how we are supposed to look at this this parable right um and so we're going to go through these in acts like imagine if we're in a play And so we're going to look at the first act. Act one is like the younger son, right? This is the parable. This is the perspective of the younger son. And it says, uh, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey to a far off country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living right now we have to truly understand what this younger son is doing right this isn't the son asking the dad his dad for some money right um this isn't him this isn't like ethan coming to me and like dad can i get a chan on so that i can go get ice cream right or even like when he if he be asking like dad can you give me like some money so that i can buy like this video game whatever um this is a this is a very serious thing that he's talking about. this isn't just him asking for money or financial transaction um, the son basically demands that his father give him his share of the property that is owed him. And it's like, you know, when, when, you, when you give an inheritance, what usually happens when an inheritance is given, right? If, if, if I have an inheritance and I'm going to leave it to my sons, what, will, what must happen to me in order for that inheritance to be given, right? What, what has to happen? I have to die, right? Like when I die, I leave it to my, to, to my kids. And so the son is ba- basically saying, like give me my stuff, it's mine, it's not yours, because you might as well be dead to me. That's what the son is saying. He's not just saying like, how oh, can I have some money so I can party with my friends? No, he's saying, father, right, I don't want anything to do with you, you might as well be dead to me, like give me what is owed to me, so that I can go and, and do whatever I want with it, right? What the the son is doing in this situation is not just asking for a share of his money, but he's breaking relationship. Right? He's breaking relationship. He's like, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want, you know, you might as well be dead to me. And he thinks that he knows what's best for himself. And he goes off to this far off country. Um, and, and now in the in the Middle Eastern culture back then, this was like unheard of, right? This is like this is like unheard of. This is unheard of now, but back then it was it truly was not unheard of. As a matter of fact, the punishment for something like this in the Old Testament was death, right? I think I have this up here somewhere. I might have put it out of order, but Leviticus 20 verse 9, it says, For anyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death, right? If if, if this was based on, if, if if I was under the Old Covenant, I should be dead by now, right? Because like I like you know there are t- seasons in my life where I, I treated my parents really bad, but this is what the Old Testament says Deuteronomy 21:18 through 21. If a man has a has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives, and they shall say to the elders of the city, "This our son is stubborn and rebellious." he will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst and all, all Israel shall hear and fear. That's what should have happened to this kid, right? If Ezra was under the Old Testament, right? think think the Lord that he is not, right? Like, thank the Lord because, you know, he can be very rebellious at times. But this is kind of what Should have happened to this son. But what does the father do? What is the heart of this father? He gives him his inheritance, right? He takes his, does his son's portion of inheritance, and he gives it to him, and he lets him go. He doesn't scold him, he doesn't rebuke him, or force him to like, you know, you know, like, you know, you're not gonna leave this house, right? You know, that's what my, my, my parents would have done. The father doesn't have to like, give him anything. He really doesn't. And yet, you know, he divides his property, and he lets him go. And so the young son goes off, living it up, you know, doing what he thinks is better. He's trying to satisfy himself, right? He's trying to satisfy the desires of his heart. And, and I talked about this last week, um, you know, it, like, you know, in, in my sermon about satisfaction, you know, but like, you know, I preached last week that there's like the world, we cannot be satisfied by the things of this world. I preached on this last week, like like no matter no matter how much we want or how much we desire and we get something, it's not gonna satisfy our soul. Right? It's only temporary. Right? Uh, the, things, the, the things that we desire from this world, right, it cannot give us satisfaction. Right? So many times the world promises us satisfaction, like get this, buy this, do this, and you'll feel satisfied in Korea. It's like look like this, have this kind of a figure, dress like this, and you'll feel satisfied. But it's only momentary, it's, it's fleeting, right? You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's whatever we desire from this world, it cannot satisfy us. You know, the world will not satisfy you, right? The things of this world will not satisfy you, right? And I talked about it last week, like we're the only creation, right? We're, we're the only ones in all of creation that has this because we're made in God's image, right? You know, like animals can be satisfied. Like a lion out in Africa is satisfied being a lion. Right? There isn't a lion that like you know, there's there's no lion like Scar from the Lion King that like <laughs> commits premeditated murder, right, to like become the 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 king of the pride and There's no animals like that. right? Like, they will fight, but they're just they're satisfied being an animal. They're satisfied just being being uh you know like like who they are. But for for we're the only ones that cannot find satisfaction in this world. Because we're made to be satisfied by something so much greater than what we can find in this world, right? We're, we're made to be satisfied by our Creator. We're made to be satisfied by the One that made us, right? So the Son goes off and he, he goes and he parties it up. He like lives his life. He feels like he's gonna be satisfied, you know, like I'm, i thank the Lord that, you know, my, my, like I'm, I'm away from my Father who is, you know, like, like I, I have I have my I have my inheritance. I have what I have, and he's he's out there he's living it up and you know getting drunk uh, on prostitutes and 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 says like you know, like like bad living and um and he realizes that sat- that he can't be satisfied. He squanders all his money. Like no matter how much money he has, he just he just can't be satisfied, and he loses all of his money and he's he's a he's a destitute. He's just you know he he, he has nothing left, and so. And he says, and when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose across that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country and he sent him into the fields to feed pigs, right? Pigs were considered, you know, like Jewish people don't eat pork, right? It's because they're considered ceremonially just like unclean. So he's doing, he's considered a sinner. Like we talked about it earlier, like who are the sinners? He would be one of them, right? And, and and he and he longing to be fed with the pods of that pig it, what pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything right and now he ends up doing you know the lowest thing that he can possibly do um he not only is he unclean but he's starving and he and he just doesn't you know he has he has he has his job that's like you know horrible and 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 he remembers um that like he has he has a father right like he that he left and he he ends up like you know Going and like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to my father and I'm gonna, um, do whatever I can to get back into his graces. And so younger son comes to his senses and says, my father's, you know, servants eat better than these pigs, like, like, like eat better than this, like lowest member in my, in my father's uh, servants eat better than what, what I'm eating. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna beg him to give me a job, right? It's like, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna repent, right? And so, you know, like, like at this point, um, you know, uh, the people that are listening, who are the people that are listening, right? Like the tax collectors and sinners, they're listening and they're like, oh, okay, like, this is like me, right? They probably feel like this. They're like, oh, this is hitting my soul, right? And he's like, "Like Jesus, what do we have to do? Because like, I'm with you, Jesus. What do we have to do to be made right with you? And these are what the tax collectors and the sinners are probably thinking, right? And this is probably where the Pharisees and the scribes' ears start to perk up, right? They're like, yeah, like, they're like, oh, yeah, man, these guys are sinners, right? This young boy, he's a sinner, he should be stoned, right? Like, 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 you know, let him, let him get his just dessert, like what he deserves, right? And so, you know, like, the Pharisees are starting to, the, their ears are starting to pick perk up, like, that's right, Jesus, get him, right? Get him, like tell him that like he's a sinner. That he better start working. He better start getting right, like you know, like toiling and earning his way back into the graces of his father. You know, he's not worthy to be a son. Yeah, like you know, you know, they're waiting on what the what the father is gonna do to this young son that kind of left them, right? So that's the perspective of the younger son. The younger son goes and he just squanders everything. He breaks relationship with his father, and he and 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 he squanders all that he has, and he's coming back. And so the sinners are like saying, like, "Oh man, I I I relate with this. I, I I can see what this son is going through." And then the Pharisees and the scribes are like, "Yeah, get him, right? Like, shh, 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 give him what he deserves, right? This is this kind of split right here. This is these are the two different ways that the crowd is receiving this story, right? And so, so that's the first act is the is the act of is the is the younger son right is the perspective of the younger son right he goes on and, and wild living you know prostitutes and living it up and then he ends up with nothing and he comes back to the father begging for a job right and then the next scene i'm going to go back a little bit and we're going to look at um act 2 which is this, the 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 position of the older brother right the older brother's perspective he doesn't ask for his inheritance. He doesn't go off and, you know, sin and, and live like crazy out in the, you know, like with prostitutes and wild living. He stays behind. He's working out in the field for his father. He's doing everything that he needs to do to be obedient to his father, right? All of a sudden his younger brother comes back. And his father receives him with joy, throws a party, puts a ring on his finger, gets him like, you know, the best robes. I don't know what good clothes are, but like, I don't know, like, I don't know what's a a fancy jacket, but like, you know, imagine there's, what is it, Louis Vuitton or whatever, I'm really not in fashion. Imagine there's like a very expensive jacket, he puts it on him, he kills his fat calf and he like, you know, he has a party for his son. And And what does the older brother, he gets angry. He's like, man, what the heck, man, he's ticked off. He, who is he angry at? Is he angry at the younger brother? No, he's angry at his father, right? He's angry at his father. He's like, how dare you? And it, and it says, but he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father. It says, look, right? He doesn't even say father. He says, look, right? These many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, and you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with your friend, with my friends. But when the son of yours came. Who had devoured your property with prostitutes and you killed the fat and him, right? And so, like, like Jesus is preaching to the Pharisees here, right? The Pharisees that they lived, like, righteous, holy lives all their life. And, 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 you know, and the younger son broke relationship by asking for his relation, for his inheritance. Well, the older son is also doing the same, right? He's also not choosing relationship. He's, the, the, Um, His service to his father, he sees it as a transaction. He sees this service that he's doing for his father as as a transaction for his inheritance. Right? He doesn't demand his inheritance, but he's working for it. He's like, man, this is what I deserve. I've been working in your field for all these years. How dare you? Don't, you don't even give me a fat, like a, like a goat to celebrate with my friends, right? I've earned this, right? You see the, the entitlement in the, in the older son's like attitude, right? He's like, he's in, he's like, he's not treating the father like, like a father, he's treating him like an employer, right? And this was the mind of the Pharisees. This is what got Jesus killed, right? Yes, the main issue why the Jews, uh, crucified Jesus was, was, the sin of blasphemy. Was saying that he was a son of God. But the reason this was so offensive to the Pharisees was, it, was because what did Jesus say? Jesus said that he could forgive sin. He would forgive sins. Right? And, 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 and basically the Pharisees are saying like, man, I've been working my butt off to be holy and righteous, following every rule. How dare this Jesus come and say that he can forgive sinners right? without doing anything. And this was offensive to them. This was the position of the Pharisees. The Pharisees have been doing everything right, like the older brother, doing everything right, working out in the field, tithing uh, uh, like out of every even the, every spice that they buy, they tithe ten percent of everything. They're doing everything correctly. They never touch anything dirty. They are always ritually clean, and, and and they're like, how dare this Jesus come and say that he can forgive sin, and 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 this is what offended the Pharisees. This is the this was the heart of the Pharisees, right? This is why they hated Jesus. And it's what makes unchurched, and this same attitude continues in the church today. Right? This the this, this same attitude continues in the church. It's what makes unchurched people so disgusted with Christians. Right? They see the self righteousness. They see the judgmental hearts. Right? right? We see it. We see it all. Like we've seen it. Like the world kind of hates Christianity, and the world even kind of hates not just Christians, but they hate Jesus because of the way that the the, the church kind of presents himself. Out of the judgmental. Right. The judge and they and they and and and, 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 and um, self righteous. If if you're comparing your righteousness to other people who are not good as you, and you measure how well you're doing based on how well well they're doing, you have a Pharisaical mind. Right? That's a, a sign of a Pharisaical mind. I gotta say it correctly, right? If you're comparing your righteousness to other people, right, and, and you measure how well you're doing based on how well they're doing, you have a pharisaical mind. When you hear truth being preached and you start thinking about other people that need this without allowing it to impact your heart, right, you have a pharisaical mind, right? And God is saying you are in rebellion because God isn't holding you to other, like, like some other person's like, you know, like standard of holiness. He's holding you to his standard of ho- holiness and you're pronouncing basically judgment on yourself, right? So if you're not a believer here today and you, and, and this view that you have of Christians because, you know, you've experienced this kind of things throughout your life, you know, I don't want to apologize to you and say that this is not the heart of God. This is not the heart of the Father. And we're actually going to actually look at the heart of the Father in the third act because our God shows up in Act three and we're going to talk about it. It's the, it's the, is the heart of the father. The f- third, pers- so the first perspective is of the younger son. The younger son go- goes off, like lives a horrible life, right? And just like screws up, and and, and and he knows he's a sinner, and he comes back to the father. And then there's the older older brother or the older son that you know did everything right, did everything that did everything the way that he should have done, and 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 yet he feels this like this like like anger and this resentment because why he's not he doesn't see his father as a father. He sees his father as an employer. He sees his father as like a transactional thing, right? There's not a relationship there. They're both breaking relationship. Do you understand? The younger brother broke it by saying like, give me my inheritance. Basically, I don't want anything to do with you. The older brother is breaking relationship by saying like, hey, you need to give me what what is owed to me because I've worked for it all these years, right? They're both breaking relationship, right? But then there's the, the act three. This is the, the act of the father. The third perspective is that of the father. And and, and, and the, the younger son basically rejects him, says, I don't want a relationship with you. Give me my inheritance. You might as well be dead to me. Right, and he leaves. You know, and this, this father, his heart is broken. Because he, he, he's, he's not a hard father. He's not an evil father. He's a loving father. And he doesn't care about money. Right, he doesn't care about property. Back then, property was everything. Like, uh, like a man's, like everything was tied to like his property back then, right? And so, you know, like, like uh, somebody losing a third of their property, it w- was like it was crazy, right? It's like it was like unheard of. And yet, what does he do? He just he sells it and he gives his son this money because he doesn't care about it. He, he cares. What does he care the most about? He, he doesn't care about wealth. He doesn't care about property. He doesn't care about his possession. He cares about his son. Cares about relationship. He cares about you know like like the connection that he has with his sons. And and it says in in Romans one, it says that God gave ungodly people over to their lustful, impure, corrupt things. And it says, uh, I think I have to find it in Romans eight twenty. It says for the creation for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. In hope, I want you to remember, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. Right? And, and what this is kind of talking about, and, this, and what the story is kind of talking about is God gives man free will. Right? You know, God allows man to do what they think is right, not because he doesn't care, but because it's the only way that we can have true love and relationship with him. It's not true love if you don't have a choice. He could have made us all robots. He could have made us all unable to like not obey, unable to disobey. He could have made us into robots. But the only way that there can be love, only way that there can be true relationship, is if you have a choice. If you have free will, love cannot exist if there is there is no choice. Love cannot exist if there is no free will. And so the father lets the son go, and he breaks his heart. He is broken, and yet he continues to go because, you know, because of this, because of what we read in Romans eight twenty. It says because in hope, right, that the free will that we have, we will choose love, that we will choose him. And so the father lets him go, and he doesn't go like, yeah, you'll be back. You're going to lose all your money, you dummy. You'll be back. So he doesn't do that. He just lets him go, and he's grieving and he's mourning. And yet he knows that in hope, this is the only way that there can be love and relationship. And when the younger son returns from this wild living and broke, the son doesn't come to the house and knock on the father's door and like you know, and the son the father opens the door and is like, "What are you doing here? Like I thought you wanted to go and live live your life." Like what does it say? I'm going to turn to it. I don't think I have it. It says. Um, and he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy be- to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for, his, for this son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. The son doesn't even get to the house, right? The son's coming back. Is like, okay, I, I lost everything. I'm, I'm broke, right? My, my father's like servants eat way better than how I'm living now. I'm going to go to my father. And so he heads back to his father's house and he doesn't even get near his home. What does, what, what happens? The father like is far off. He's like looking off into the distance and he sees his son coming and he runs. He runs to his son. And he, and he, embraces him and he puts a robe on his arm um, and a ring on his finger. And he kills the fattened calf so that he can, he can celebrate with them. And, and at the end of the day, it's all about relationship. The father's heart is all about relationship, right? So many times when I was younger, I would always think that like, like Christianity and church was all about doing the right thing, doing what I'm supposed to do, these rules that we were supposed to follow. But at the end of the day, it's all about relationship. There is no connection with God outside of relationship. And the older son comes and he's like, you know, he's not even, you know, like the father has to go out to him. He doesn't even come in. He has to go out to him. He's like, look, I've been up here working for you, being obedient to you all this time. And yet this, this guy, your son comes and he's like, you know, squandered all of your things on prostitutes. And while living and that you like sacrifice a, a calf for him, you put a ring on his finger, right? How dare you? And what does the father say? He says, son, you're always with me and all that is mine is yours. I am, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Once again, he talks about relationship, right? He's like, like he goes to the older son and he's like, dude, you were always with me. You were never not with me. You, you were always connected, right? What everything that I have, is yours. Everything that I have is yours. You're always with me. He's choosing relationship. The Father's heart is always about relationship. The Bible says that Jesus is the first of many brothers. Jesus calls God Father almost every time. Only time that Jesus calls God God is when he's hanging on the cross and he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's because the Father didn't see Jesus as a son right then but as a sacrifice to the world. God's love is perfect. So in his justice, God can't sweep sin under the rug. He has to sacrifice something. He sacrifices his son. He crushed his son. But you see, for the reason why that had to happen was so that he could have a relationship with us. God is always about relationship. Our Father isn't a cold and distant God. He's not about... You know? He's not about rules. He's not about like you know things that we need to live up to and things that we need to like perform. Like like things that we need to do to be clean and right before the Lord. There's no way that we can be clean before God on our own, right? I've said this probably many times in my sermons and I'll I'll say it again and you know, some of you guys have been here for a long time kind of kind of have heard this before, but it's like when Ezra was like like three years old and then I would I would go to the bathroom and then he would be in the bathroom and he, he had pooped and then he had tried to wipe his own butt. And he, he basically took toilet paper and just rubbed it all over. But what happened was he just rubbed poo all over his butt, right? It's like there's poo everywhere, right? But when I look at that, that's kind of like us trying to make ourselves clean, right? It's like when we try to make ourselves clean, it's like us rubbing poop all over ourselves, right? There's no way that we can make ourselves righteous before the Lord. There's nothing that we can do, right? There's nothing that we can do. We 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 feel like if we approach God and if we come to God, we gotta make ourselves right. Right? So like, uh, dude, I gotta stop sinning. I gotta stop like you know living this way. I gotta stop like like looking at this stuff, and I gotta be right and I gotta be clean, and I can present myself to God. But you know what that looks like? That looks like Ezra in the bathroom trying to wipe his own butt. He's getting poop everywhere, right? That's exactly what it is. There is no way that we can make ourselves righteous before the Lord. Nothing that we can do. I can be the perfect husband. I can be the perfect uh, father. I can be the perfect pastor. Don't do anything wrong. Right? Like, like this morning, me and Mina got in like got into an argument, and you know we kind of argued. That never happened. Like, you know, I can live the perfect life, and yet there's nothing that I can do to make myself righteous before the Lord. It all depends on the love of God and then what Jesus Christ endured on the cross. It's the blood of Christ that makes us right before the Lord. And, and our, our God is not a cold and distant God. Right? Our, our God is not uh, uh, about rules and regulation. Our God is not about like, us like, trying to make ourselves right before Him. Our God is about relationship. There is that, that's the heart of God's heart towards us. And this picture of this Father right, is, is the heart of the Father. This is, this, is the, this is the picture that Jesus gives us of what the heart, what the heart of the Father is, right? He says that while the son was approaching, the father saw it at this. Do you think that it was coincidence? That the father was like just doing everything and all of a sudden he looks up and he's like, oh, there's somebody approaching. Like I think that's my son and he runs to him. No, right? It's not a coincidence. What was the father, what do you think the father's been doing? Every day, like he would wake up in the morning, look off at the distance. Is he coming back? Remember that word in hope? Right, I talked about it. In hope, right, he gives us free will in hope that we will turn to him and say, "God, like I need you more than anything." Right? So the father is the picture of this father. Isn't like 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 he's just going about his he's just going about his day, you know, living his life, and then all of a sudden his 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 prodigal son comes back and he knocks on the door and 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 and, and he, he opens the door and his son happens to be there and it's like, "What are you doing here?" No, he's he's every day he's waking up. He looks off into the distance and he's like, oh, is my son coming back today? Is my son coming back today? He wakes up the next day. He looks off into the distance. He sees somebody coming. He's like, oh, is that my son? Is that my son? And the person gets closer and he's like, is a, a merchant. He's like, ah. Oh. Next day he wakes up again. He looks off into the distance. That's the heart of the father. He's caught in hope. He's looking into the distance. And, and when he sees his son, he doesn't wait for the sun to get to him. He runs to the, he runs to the son. That's the heart of our God. Our God is not a, a distant God. Our God is not a cold God. Our God is not a God about regulations and rule. Our God is a God of relationship. Our father is not cold and distant, but he's looking to us in hope that we will turn and run and, and that he can run to us. Luke 15 includes three stories. Remember I talked about it? All three stories, is the, the story of the lost sheep, is the story of the coin, lost coin, and it's the, the story of the prodigal son. And all three of this tells us the story of the father's heart, right? It's the sheep, the coin, and the son. And Jesus, being the master storyteller, he goes from a hundred sheep, and then one's missing. And then there's ten coins, and one's missing. And the last one is, there's one son that's missing. And he continues to look, continues to look into the distance to see if he's coming back. You know, we have, we have a father, we have a God that is all about relationship. And the sermon is called, titled The Prodigal Father, because the word prodigal means having spent everything, having recklessly spent everything. That's what prodigal means, right? The word prodigal means having recklessly spent everything, right? And we have a father that recklessly, and and he he spent everything so that he can have us, that he can have a relationship with us. That's the prodigal. That's the heart of our father. He's not distant. He's not cold. But he's a father-seeking relationship. Mm -hmm. And and this is something, as I've become a father and as I've seen my kids grow up, I, I start to understand this just a little bit more. I, mean, I just start to understand this a little bit more that that that, that God gives us a, a, an ability to just see a little bit of the type of love and the type of of, of of just fierce like like devotion that He has to His people, to His children, to you and I. Our God is the Father of a Father. He's the one that gave up everything. He recklessly spent everything so that He can be in relationship with us. I want you guys, I, you know, I want you guys to, 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 if you can leave today with everything, is to have a a shift in your paradigm and a shift in your understanding of the heart of God. Right. If you think that that, if you think that God is cold, if you think that God is far, if you think that God is distant, I want you to have a new understanding of the heart of our heart of our Father. He's the prodigal God. He is the prodigal Father. He's the one. That seeks relationship with his people. He seeks connection. He seeks intimacy above everything else. Right. He seeks relationship above anything else, right? We think that we have to be all righteous before God, right? We think that we have to like make ourselves right before God so that we can approach him. No, we can approach him dirty! Right, you can approach him when you're when you're like you know just like like Ezra with all the poop on his butt. You just have to come to me and say, "Dad," and I'll clean him up. Right? I'm not gonna let him sit in his you know own poop. I'm gonna clean him up. I'm gonna wipe him. I'm gonna clean him. That's that's the God that we have. Our God is he wants relationship with us more than obedience from us. A lot of times we think like I have to I have to be in obedience so that I can have a relationship with God. That's wrong. Right. Obedience is very important. Right? right When you come back to the Lord and He's going to lead you in obedience, but before else, what's more important about it is God is, wants our heart. He wants a relationship. He wants a connection with us first. That's the heart of our Father. That is the heart. That's Act 3. That's the heart of the prodigal father. He longs to have a relationship with us. Now, and if you can leave today with everything, I want to encourage you to understand and 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 I pray, I hope and pray that that aspect of your understanding of God is clarified to you today. That your heart shall be open to a Father that seeks you out furiously. He longs to be in relationship with you. Let's close with prayer, but if